Heavenly Father, we come into your presence and I thank you so much that we have to rely upon you for everything. You said in your word, Lord, apart from me, you can do nothing. And that is so true, oh God, apart from you, we can do nothing. I cannot preach if you do not come and help me, Lord. I cannot speak unless your spirit comes and fills me. So therefore, Lord, I give myself to you today. That, Lord, you will use me as your instrument, oh God, I pray. That Jerry Sandy will decrease and vanish, oh God. That we will only hear what you have to say. Bless Kim as she signs, Lord, the words to our deaf brothers and sisters. And bless every single person here. That today, Lord, we will hear a word from you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as you know, I've entitled this message, a series of message called um, Passion and Purpose. And, um, you know, when you've got something on your mind, I don't know, maybe you've got an exam coming up, or maybe you've got um, a hospital appointment, or maybe you've got a job, something in your, in, in your mind, you can't get that off of your head. It's in your mind constantly. Well, Jesus knew that the cross laid ahead of him. And that was on his mind constantly. And so as we prepare for the next four weeks or so, I'm preparing you. I'm causing you to think about Easter, the Jewish Passover. I'm causing you to begin to consider what it really means. And so Jesus had that on his mind as he was going to Jerusalem. And so I've got three things that I want to say this morning about this. First, I want to talk about a great following. In our Bible reading, we read these words. As the crowds increased. You know, Jesus was at the height of his popularity. You know, people were coming to see Jesus. It must have been great for the disciples. They must have looked out and saw crowds increasing and increasing and increasing. And they must have thought to themselves, Wow, Jesus must be so pleased with that. There's so many people coming to hear Jesus Christ. So many people wanting to get to know him. This must have been tremendous. Now, if you was a, a, a spin doctor or a public, public sick, what do you call these people who do the, um, yeah, that's right, one of those guys. You want to take Jesus to one side and say, Jesus, come in. Listen. You've got crowds following you. Say the right thing. And they will keep on following you. Look at them. They're increasing. Now, if you do the right thing here, Jesus, wear the right sandals, you know, and you know, have the right sort of garment on them, speak the right words, I'm sure you will keep all of them. But what does Jesus say? Well, we have it in our Bible. Just turn around and said this. Jesus said... This is a wicked generation. That will blow half of them out right away, wouldn't it? This is a wicked generation. It asks for a sign, but none will be given it. Jesus turns around and says to the crowds following him, he says, these people are following me for selfish reasons. These crowds are following me Because what they can get out of me 
They're not following me for who I am. They're following me because they can get something from me. I was smiling when Jim was speaking today because Jim was right where I was going. Because when Jim was speaking, he was speaking about a time when Jesus was breaking the five loaves of bread and giving that bread to the crowds. The the Bible said there was about 5,000 men that Jesus broke bread and, and fish and fed them. And this same crowd came looking for Jesus. And this is what Jesus turned around and said to them. I tell you the truth. You were looking for me because you ate the loaves and had your fill. That's the only reason why you're looking for me. That's the only reason why you are increasing my crowd around me. You ate the loaves and... And, and that's why you're, and, and you had your fill. You've seen a miracle. Again, the words that Jesus said. So they asked him, what sign then will you give, give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? A wicked generation. Constantly coming to Jesus for selfish reasons. They increase the crowds for their own gain. They want to see something. They want to receive something miraculous. And then they said they will believe in Jesus. But Jesus calls them a wicked generation. Because that is what they're looking for. A sign. Again, we read these words. A wicked and perverse generation asks for a sign, but none will be given it. This generation is perverse, twisted. They use Jesus for what he can get out of him, and then they walk away again. I was at the gym this week, and, and, and this guy was complaining loudly in the changing rooms. And he was complaining and he was saying that his partner or his girlfriend, I don't know which, one, which it was, he said, my, my, my girlfriend, she, um, she blocked me on, my, on, on her telephone. I can't ring her anymore. But the problem is, he said, two weeks ago, she got me to drive her to Birmingham. And after I drove her to Birmingham, two weeks later, she blocked me. I was saying to myself, you shouldn't have driven her to Birmingham. But she got what she wanted. That's the thing. And Jesus is saying this. You're only seeking me because you want to see something. You're only seeking me because you want something to be blessed in your life. You're not seeking me because of myself. You're seeking me for selfish reasons. A wicked and perverse generation looks for a sign. Now, Jesus could have just left them there, but he decided to give them something. He decided to give them, and when I thought about it, I thought, what grace. You know, when you feel you're being used, you just want to turn around and say, you know what, I don't want to speak to you. But Jesus realized that these people were were here for selfish reasons, and so he could have turned away. But no, grace and mercy still outpours 
towards them and he gives them something. What does he give them? Well, a great appearing. Jesus turns around and he speaks to them and he says this. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The sign of Jonah. Now I need to take you through just a little bit about Jonah because not everyone here grown up in Bible, the Bible school, in Sunday school. Sunday school can be like Bible school. But like Sunday school, not everyone come through Sunday school. So, so Jonah, just letting you know a little bit, Jonah was told by God to go and speak to a nation. But instead of going, he went the opposite way. He got on a ship and then he sailed the opposite way in disobedience. And God sent a storm on the sea. And that's where we pick up the story. But the storm is raging on the sea and um, the men on the ship turned around and they said to Jonah, they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And Jonah replied and he said, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And Jonah turned around and said, this problem is here because of me. Take me, he says, and throw me into the sea. Now the men on the ship said, this is madness. We can't just take you. You're an innocent man. You've done no crime. If we throw you into the sea, you will certainly die. It's black. It's deep. There's no way you will make it. You will certainly die. You are innocent. How can we take you and throw you into the sea? But that's what Jonah said. And this man, who had done nothing wrong in the whole ship, should be cast into his, into his death, to his death, into the sea. And that's what they did. You know, the same thing happened to Jesus. Jesus was innocent. Free from any guilt. Look what Pilate said when we come to the Easter story. Look what Pilate said. Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers and the people and said to them, you brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. I have examined him in your presence and found no basis for your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. As you can see, he has done nothing to deserve death. Jesus was totally sinless and innocent. He done nothing to deserve death. In fact, the Bible turns around and says this. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. That's Jesus. Completely perfect. Completely holy. No one can point a finger at him. No one can charge him. No one can say anything against him. Why? Because there was no deceit in him. But the Bible turns around and says this. 
God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God made Jesus who had no sin, completely innocent, completely spotless. God made him to have all of your sin and mine. Took all of it. The whole sin of the whole world, past, present and future. All the sin in all the world, God takes it and places it upon an innocent man, Jesus Christ. And he was judged. He was punished. So that you can go free. And so we have Jonah on this ship being thrown out to the men they're going to kill him. He's going to be dead. An innocent man. But Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't focus upon that part of Jonah. He focused upon another part of Jonah in this story. The Bible says, now the Lord provided a huge fish that swallowed Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days. And three nights. Jesus focuses not upon Jonah being cast overboard as an innocent man. But Jesus focuses upon the fact that as Jonah was sinking into that deep sea, God provided a great fish. And Jonah was in the belly of that great fish for a number of days. Three days and three nights, the Bible says. And after the three days and three nights, guess what? He was seen in Nineveh. This one who was presumed dead, this one who was cast into the sea, this one who was sinking deep into the ocean is now seen again outside Nineveh. And Jesus turns around and says this, I'm going to give you a sign. I'm going to show you something. You see, Jonah who was in the belly of the fish and was out of that fish again and seen it, I want to tell you something. Even before I get to the cross, I want to talk to you about my resurrection. Even before I even get to the cross, I'm going to tell you that the cross is not going to be the end. Three days I'm going to be in the belly of the earth and you will see me again. That is what Jesus was saying. Don't talk to me about the cross. Don't talk to me about the nails. I'm going past the nails. I'm going past the cross. I'm going past the, the crown of thorns. I'm going to talk to you about me being seen again. Praise be to God. And that's exactly what took place. In fact, when all the people who had gathered to witness this saw the sight, they saw Jesus on the cross, saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. This man is dead. Let's just go away. But that wasn't the end. Because that Romans turned around and says this, regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ our Lord. You want to come to me because you want something for yourself. You want to come to me for selfish reasons. You want to come 
to me for, um, for selfish purposes. But I'm going to tell you, when you come to me, I want to tell you, you're coming to the Son of God. And I'm going to declare, says Jesus, that I'm the Son of God by the resurrection. That's why I'm going to declare to you, as Jonah was seen again, so I am going to be seen again. And to the crowd that was perverse, to the crowd that was adulterous, to the crowd that was, um, that was seeking the, the, the selfish things from God, God said, well, I'm going to show you who I really am. I am the living Son of God. And you shall see me again as I stand upon the earth. The resurrection. I don't know about you, but why do you come? Why are you here? Some people come because they want to get the kids into a certain school. Some people come because their life has gone down a dead-end street and they think to themselves, oh, if I get to church, then maybe my life can come out of a dead-end street. Some people come because their marriage is a bit upside down and they think, if I can get to church, then I can get my marriage sorted out. Why are you here? In fact, the Bible clearly says, Jesus says, come to me because I am the Son of God. That's the reason why you should be here. That's the reason why we're worshipping and praising him. Why? Because he is the living son of God. I don't care. I love that song we sang earlier on about blessed be his name. Even when the sun is shining on me and everything is wonderful, I shall bless his name. But when I'm going through the wind, when I'm going through the waves and the, and the sea and the pain and the grief and the stuff, when I'm going through stuff, guess what? He is still the son of God. Jesus says, I'm going to declare to you who I really am. A great appearing. But let me just finish with this. A great message. Because here we see Jonah going into Nineveh. I think the Bible turns around and says the men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something or someone greater than Jonah is here. You see, Jonah went into Nineveh. It took three days to travel through Nineveh. It was a big city. But it was a wicked city. Like London or New York or Paris. It was a capital. It was a big, huge city. But in that city, there was great wickedness. In fact, God says about the city, um, and should I not have concern for this great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left. That's how bad they were. In fact, Isaiah will turn around and say this, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light, and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet, and sweet for bitter. Woe to you who call evil good, and good evil. That's the generation we live in, isn't it? Whatever works for you, go ahead. I want to judge you. If you want to do that wicked thing, well, it might be wicked to someone else, but if it's good for you, then you go ahead. That is the generation that we live in. And the truth of the matter is, Nineveh was as wicked like that, just like London is today. 
So Jonah went into Nineveh. And Jonah preached this word, message. Look at it now. Jonah began going, began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming his message was eight words long. Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. That was his message. Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. No grace, no mercy, no love, no compassion, no kindness, no patience, no nothing. Completely a message of judgment. Forty more days and Nineveh will be finished was his message. Now Jesus Christ comes and says, you know what? Not only am I greater than Jonah, but my message is greater than his message. Not only is Jonah turned out, out from the belly of a fish, probably looking a bit raggedy and a bit smelly and a bit wet, but I am greater than him with a greater message. So what message then has Jesus got that is greater than that message? 40 more days. What message has Jesus got? Well, there's six things, six messages that Jesus got. And I want you to read them with me. They'll be on the screen. They're the IMs. So can you read them with me so we get the message of Jesus? So this is the first one. Can you read it with me? Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though he dies. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That is a message, isn't it? Isn't that a message better than Jonah's message? Isn't that message greater than Jonah's message? Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. But Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I'm going to the cross. And unlike other shepherds who might run when the wolf comes or the bear comes, I'm going to the cross and I'm going to lay down my life for men and women. That's the message. What you can't do, I'm going to do. What you can't achieve, I will achieve for you. I am the good shepherd. And these men of Nineveh will rise up, Jesus says. The men of Nineveh will rise up and they say, hold on. I don't get this. Jonah came with a horrible message. 
Jonah came with a message that spoke about judgment and being overthrown and being destroyed. His message wasn't as great as your message, but when we heard Jonah's message, we changed our lives. We changed our thinking. We changed our conduct. We couldn't carry on the way we was carrying on because we heard Jonah's message. But hold on, you've got a greater message than Jonah. Not only that, but we saw Jonah come back and he spoke about being in the belly of a fish. You've got someone who came out of the grave. And we believed. In Nineveh, the men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. They will turn around and say, I don't understand it. I'm so confused. We believe Jonah, but what about you? You're standing before God and you didn't repent. You didn't believe. You didn't hold on to the truth. Why not? He will say. Why didn't you do it? Well, the people of Nineveh will say, we did it at Jonah's preaching. But you had Jesus saying, I am the gate. I am the resurrection. I am the light. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You had Jesus preaching to you. Surely, that should have changed your thinking. The men of Nineveh were wicked. And yet they repented. The last verse is a verse in Corinthians that speak of wicked people. Look what it says. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexual immoral nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with, uh, with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the spirit of our God. (coughs) Such were some of you. Some of you were like that. Some of you were swindlers and adulterers. Some of you were sexual and immoral, immoral. Some of you were liars and greedy. Some of you were like that, says um, the word of God. But guess what? Jesus Christ has washed you. Jesus Christ has laid down his life for you. Jesus Christ has cleansed you and made you anew. Jesus Christ had delivered you. And so you can stand in the presence of God with the men of Nineveh. Yes, they were wicked. They didn't know the left hand to the right. They didn't know what was good or evil. But they will stand on the kingdom of God. And you and I will stand with them. Why? Because we've been washed by the blood of Jesus.
Praise be to God. God, Jesus, didn't leave that crowd. Yes, they came to him with selfish reasons. Yes, they came to him with wrong reasons. But he didn't get angry and threw them to one side. No, he spoke to them. And I'm going to give you a sign. It's going to be a sign of Jonah. As Jonah was out from the fish and seen again. I'm going to come out of the earth. Out of the tomb. And my message is going to be a message far greater than his. Come to me, all you who are weary. Come to me, says Jesus, all you who are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. That's his message. Come to me. Don't go to anyone else. No, 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 no. Come to me. Come to my house. And I will give you the bread of life, as Jim was preaching about. I will give you the water so you will never thirst again. Come to me, says Christ, and all your needs spiritually will be met in him. Praise be to God. Why are you here today? My prayer is you're here because you're coming to the Son of God. And by coming to him, you will have that bread of life. You will go through that narrow gate and stand with the men of Nineveh, the women of Nineveh, the children of Nineveh, and stand with them and say, yes, you, you, yes, you did repent at the preaching of Jonah, but I repented. I changed my life because someone greater than Jonah came to my door. Someone greater than Jonah preached a greater message. It was Jesus. And I'm in glory, not because of myself, but because of Christ. Praise be to God. Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Jesus, I thank you that you didn't turn those people away because you were frustrated with them or angry with them. And yet, Lord, you spoke a word to them. That word lives today, oh Lord. And I know that up and down this country, we have men and women coming to church, going to church, filling seats in churches because they want things for themselves. But Lord, my prayer is that today, oh God, you will raise up men and women like the men and women of Nineveh's day. Men and women who will come to you for who you are and come to you because in you there's life. And life in all its fullness. Why? Because you have been declared with power to be the son of the living God. Oh, speak to every heart today, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.